0: Welcome to Magic School, where you'll learn how to level up every aspect of your life and make your everyday magical one step at a time with magic that works. What's up, witches? Welcome to Magic School. I'm your host, Verveen, and this is what I do I help people level up their lives and enchant the everyday with approachable magic that works. I do this through my work as an author as a divinatory coach by holding space for individual and community growth within Oil Coven and by creating magical content like this to learn more about my offerings or to book a divinatory coaching session or to join Oil Coven we'd love to have you head on over to my website ruvineandtheroses.com also linked in the show notes so today's episode of welcome to magic school is actually a continuation of our previous lesson our last lesson on runes for protection ran a little over, so I cut it into two. Um, so if you haven't listened to part one yet, I would really recommend going back and starting there because um, that's going to give you all the background info that you need to know. So in in that one, we went over the, like, the basics of how to use rune in magic period, all, runes in magic period, and also like what runes are. Um, so if if you need that. And you want to catch the first couple of runes that we talked about? You're definitely going to want to head back to episode four, and then this episode, episode five, is going to be a continuation of that. Uh, there was no homework last week because we did split the episode into two. So what that means is that we're going to skip the homework review. Lucky you, no homework. Um, and if you did do, if you did get a head start on the homework um, and you started it, like please do message me and let me know about it so that i can incorporate your experience into the homework review next week without further ado we're going to pick up right where we left off with rune number four is sobelow and sobelow is not a rune that i would have thought of as a protection rune but now that i do think of it that way it all makes so much sense and i kind of can't believe that i hadn't thought of it before And I would go so far as to say that Tiwaz could also be a protection rune for some of the same, because Solo and Tiwaz are both kind of victory runes. So the thing with Tiwaz to know, though, this is going to be very, very brief. The thing with Tiwaz to know, though, is that it's a rune of justice. So, like, if you invoke Tiwaz and you're not actually in the right, you're not actually on the side of justice, um, Tiwaz is going to fuck you over because Tiwaz is on the side of justice. It's not just, it's not like on your side. You know, you're not invoking victory for you and your ego. With two eyes, you're, you're calling up victory for justice. So that's just something to note if you feel like calling on two eyes. Uh, be prepared to lose if you're not actually in the right. Now with Sobelo, um, Sobolo is sometimes called Sig. Um, a Sig rune is a victory rune also. Um, I think Sig rune is also a name of a Valkyrie. Is that right? Yeah, Sigrun is of Valkyrie Norse mythology, but her her name literally means um, "Victory Rune." Okay, so it is a victory rune. It is a success rune. But what is Solo really? It's also sometimes called Soul. It is the sun. It is sunlight. So, and uh, okay, just just let me finish here. Hello, hello, Editor Vervain here, and I will let other Vervain finish, but I wanted to hop in for a moment because listening back, the (laughs) things that I'm about to start saying kind of sound like they're coming from out of the blue, and it's really coming up as a response on my part to many, many posts that I have come across recently talking about um decolonizing our magical associations with light and dark um light and with like light and darkness or light and dark colors being equivalent or correl- correlated with um good and evil respectively so like the um you know quote unquote decolonizing the belief that light is good and dark is bad and I think that there's something to this um, and I just want to examine it further. So that's what is about to happen here. Y'all hold on to your hats <laughs> and let's go. Let me, let me say this before you judge what I'm saying. Light vanquishes darkness. Okay. Darkness cannot vanquish light, except in the case of a black hole, which is a little deeper than we're going to get in this episode. And this this statement, light vanquishes darkness, is not to say that all things dark are evil. And I, who take the name of Hell's Daughter of all people, should know that not all things dark are evil. But darkness is the home of mystery. Darkness is the home of the unknown. That's why it's dark when you shine a light on something now it's known when something is in darkness you can't see it you don't know what it is it's mysterious so mystery can be sacred and beautiful and good that which comes from the womb you know life comes from the mystery of darkness death is also re-entering the mystery of the darkness um The forest is full of all sorts of beautiful and also terrifying life. (laughs) Both. And, you know, it's, it's, darkness is not good or bad. It's just, it's dark. And regardless of whether it's good or bad, it can be scary. This has nothing to do with dark people. Like, with like physically dark skinned people, that's not the same thing. Because when you're looking at a physically dark skinned person, it's not like, Oh, they're so mysterious. They're shrouded in darkness. They're a person. They're people. Okay? Any person in the darkness is scary. Any person, light or dark, in the light should not be scary. Okay, I'm interrupting here a little bit as I edit just to say that... People in the light of any color can absolutely be scary when they are, returning to this concept that I just brought up briefly, unknown. Often, the most scary thing about any person of any color in any context is their unknownness to the perceiver. So, <laughs> I have social anxiety <laughs> when I am out in public interacting with new people. It's scary because new people are unknown to me and I just don't know how those people are going to perceive me, how they're going to receive me, how they're going to respond to me or react to me. I don't know whether or not I'm safe with them. I find people (laughs) a little bit scary in general because I'm a very different sort of person, you know, and I've experienced a lot of social rejection in my life and the I guess you could say the defense mechanism that I've kind of built up for myself is a sort of expect expectation of rejection and accompanying that um you know I I because I expect rejection, I put up a lot of boundaries And so when I was saying earlier actually that I've never seen Ella's, go so far as to be toxic. And then I said, well, I don't know. This is kind of what I was thinking about is that we, it is possible to put up so many boundaries that we no longer let the light in. And I actually have a song about this. How does it go?
1: I know you've been defeated and it's natural to be frightened your power feels depleted and your senses all are heightened and i see you build these walls you say the stone is your defender so cold so tall so thick so strong no light could ever enter and i know that you want to feel safe and you do it for protection And I know you're trying to find your way And you're looking for direction But I'm willing to bet If you regret anything It won't be the pain It'll be that you never went out And danced in the rain And uh, that's not the whole song, it's just the first verse and the chorus. But what I'm
0: getting at here is that it is possible to put up too many defenses and to miss out on the beauty uh, and the mystery of life. And that's what happens when we're too scared of the mystery, is we miss out on the beauty that's hidden within the mystery. But that doesn't mean that it's not okay for the mystery to be scary. And I'll talk about that more in a bit. But I did just want to say that it it is actually okay to be to have some fear around unknown people, especially as a woman in the world. It makes a lot of sense to have some fear around unknown people. But I think also it's one of our most important challenges. And I think that this is the magic of the rose. This is the mystery that the rose teaches. The rose teaches the balance of beauty and boundaries of softness and strength. The rose teaches us how to be soft and also how to protect ourselves, how to be vulnerable and also stay safe. At least I hope that that's, yeah, I think that is the mystery that the rose teaches us and I hope that you can learn if you haven't yet, how to be vulnerable and soft and loving and, and still be strong and still protect yourself. I hope that you can learn, that you can master the art of protecting yourself, protecting your energy and protecting your physical self Protecting your heart without missing out on too much of the beauty of the mystery of life. We will talk a little bit more about like how what you wear can affect um, the way that you're perceived and like why <laughs> do a lot of... Because pe- it is a thing. It is a thing that when you wear black, you're more intimidating. And we'll talk about that um, next episode. Um, but we're not gonna talk about that now, but, and I guess people, some people (laughs) have for some reason (laughs) come to the conclusion that like being a dark colored person also makes you more intimidating, but it's dumb and I'm not going to talk about it anymore. Um, okay, so. I'm going to continue on with my discussion of how light vanquishes darkness, and I'm going to trust you to know that I'm not saying (laughs) that Black people are evil. (laughs) And it's fucked up that I even have to say this, but I guess I do. Um, I guess I don't have to say anything. I choose to say whatever I say. So there's that. Anyhow, okay, so mystery can include hidden evil and often sometimes, sometimes does. And that's why we're afraid of the dark, you know? If we knew what was in the dark, it wouldn't be half so fucking scary. It's not scary because of what it is. It's scary because of what we don't know it is. And actually, I would go so far as to say that a lot of the reason that a lot of very unfortunate and uncultured and narrow-minded people I was going to say white people, but this can be non-white people as well, are intimidated or scared by black people is not because they're black and they're dark and dark is bad or scary or whatever. I I would go so far as to say that it's because we feel like we don't... if, If you're raised in a white family and you're raised in a white community you know what the culture is of the people that you're raised with. And while we all belong, you know, within America, while we all belong to America, America is not a, like there is a greater American culture, but there's so much more nuance in our micro communities. And when you know the culture of your own micro community and somebody comes to you from outside of that micro-community, let's say that your micro-community does not include Black people, because a lot of micro-communities in America don't, and you come across a Black person, you can immediately, it's immediately visible that that person is not part of your micro-community, that that person is not part of the micro-culture that you know. And so they belong to the unknown from your perspective. And yes, we all belong to the same human race. Yes, we all belong to the same American culture, uh, speaking within America, but there is an element of the unknown. And when you come into contact with the unknown, there are two responses. There's curiosity and there's fear. And there are cases when fear, or at least a little bit of trepidation, is a healthy response to the unknown. But With, And I think a lot of people are still stuck in that. And that's very sad because as we're, you know, moving forward as a collective, as the human collective, we should be, I would hope, you know, moving into moving out of fear and into curiosity, moving out of judgment and into curiosity. And I think we can get a lot farther with curiosity than we can with fear. And, um, you know, if it seems like you were wrong to be curious and you need to be fearful of something, you can always make that decision later. (sighs) I guess. I don't know. I really didn't intend for this to become a whole conversation about race, but I guess it's 2021 and some of these things need to be said. So I'm like a little bit torn. I was listening to um on Your Average Witch podcast, Amy Sigel was talking about one of the things that she really struggles with is wanting to say the right thing.
1: Speaking of which,
0: this is editor me jumping in to say that I should have said they were talking about wanting to say the right thing. And um, I don't know how many times I fucked up because I'm just now listening back to this as I edit, but just change my she's to they's in your head, please, because I I cannot change. I cannot go back and edit
1: every single one of them, but um, I am recognizing and admitting that I made a mistake please accept my apology
0: and she contrasts this against wanting to speak authentically you know and she she was saying she feels like she oh my god i said she so many times has a lot of blockages between herself and speaking authentically on all sorts of things because She's so obsessed with wanting to say the right thing, like the thing that will be applauded, the thing that will be that, that, you know, you'll get a good job, Amy Sigil. You said the right thing. You're such a good person. And I don't fault her for this. I think this is a direction. We're getting a little philosophical here. We'll come back to solo Solo in a second. This is a direction that I see our culture going as a whole, and it scares me. Because I see that we're moving in a direction where we are expected, in a sense, to say, quote-unquote, the right thing, rather than to speak from a place of authenticity. And the truth is, how will we ever find out if – how will we ever – Learn. How will we ever move forward as a collective if we can't meet each other where we are? If we have to... (sighs) When we're guessing at what we should say rather than saying what we think, it's true that you can perhaps avoid offending some people. But I I would say first off... Return to the four agreements and agree to take nothing personally and that'll that'll get you really far already and and to be impeccable with your word speaking of the four agreements is not to be right all the time it's not to say the right thing all the time it's to speak from a place of love all the time And I see, I worry, I am concerned that in a culture where we are shamed for asking questions, if a dominant part of the culture has already proposed an answer to the question. You know, if, if, if a dominant part of the culture has already said, hey, this is what we do about this, or this is what we believe about this, and then you ask a question about it, you can quickly become the bad guy by asking the question. And I think this is really dangerous because these questions are often, and yeah, with the internet especially, sometimes there are trolls, but often these questions are legitimate. These questions are coming from a place of true curiosity. And how can we move forward if not through curiosity? I think curiosity is always what has brought us forward as a species, as a collective. Not fear. Not fear of offending each other. You know? Not... If people don't you know it may be that a dominant part of the culture has the answer that they've proposed that's the the quote unquote politically correct answer it may be that that answer is correct perhaps in any given situation there's there's many many different situations this could apply to so if you've like automatically jumped to like one thing that you think I'm talking about i'm not talking about one particular thing i'm talking about a lot of things a lot of things are like this and it could be that the socially acceptable, politically correct answer is, the, is the, the best answer, the correct answer, but people don't learn by being given answers and memorizing them and learning them by rote. People learn by having experiences, by living and learning and hearing stories People learn by having their curiosity satisfied. People learn by understanding why something is the way that it is, by experiencing why something is the way that it is through their own lived stories or through stories told by other people. And all this to say that after I said everything that I just said about race, I found myself hoping that I was saying the right thing. And the truth is um, I'm gonna return to that and I'm gonna say, I, I don't care if I said the right thing. I don't care if the thing that I said is the thing that you think that I should have said because the things that I said came from a place of authenticity and love. And I would love to have more conversations with more people from places of authenticity and love, conversations fueled by curiosity I'm down for that. So if you're here for that, <laughs> meet me at the tea table. Let's have some tea. And until now, until then, let's let's continue with a little more magic school. So sunlight, solo, vanquishes the darkness, clarifies, lights the unknown. And actually, I'm going to return to the Mystic Fairy Tarot for a minute. There's a beautiful duality of the sun card and the moon card in that deck. And that, the way that they're depicted and explained in that deck really brought to light for me the way that the moon is about things, or this is one aspect of what these cards mean, the moon is about things not being what they seem. You know, when you when you look at something in the moonlight, something simple and not Something that would be simple and not frightening at all in sunlight becomes a monster. You know, shadows become monsters um, or, or, you know, potential attackers or, you know, everything could be dangerous in the darkness when you can't tell what it is. Things are not as they seem. Shapes and shadows appear as other than they are. And in the sunlight, everything is clear. It's obvious what you're looking at. You can see clearly. I can see clearly now the rain has gone. And um, that's really cool. That's really cool. So it's not that what's in the darkness is evil. It's that when it's in darkness, the same thing in darkness versus the same thing in full sunlight appear differently to the eye and to the mind. And when something is in the darkness, it stirs up sometimes curiosity or perhaps fear. And when it's in the sunlight and you can see it clearly, sometimes it doesn't stir up anything at all. And so that's what I mean when I say that sunlight vanquishes the darkness. It quells fear. It quells demons, as you may have heard in uh, episode Three, it defeats disease. And I mean this literally. Like, even with COVID, I don't, I don't think I'm even going to get in trouble for saying this. It's been shown that when you spend time outside in the sun, in the open air, in the open air, but also like in, in, in the sun on a hot day in the summer, like, it's a lot less danger. It's a lot less communicable outdoors. It's a lot less communicable outdoors in the sunlight with the wind flowing, with the air flowing. And vitamin D, which you get from sunlight, is one of the things that's proved most effective against it. I don't think I can get in trouble for saying that. I think that's all like known, true things. (sighs) Again, you see me worrying about saying the right things. But it's true, we've always known that sunlight is antiviral and antibacterial. Long before COVID. Long before COVID. So to invoke the power of solo, to call upon the power of solo in your life, spend time in the sun. Spend time in the sun. Soak up the sun. Or um, if if you know, if you're trying to cleanse, if you feel like there's dark energy present in like an item, leave that item in the sun for a while if if sunlight won't harm the item. Um, you can also make sun water, um, like the same way that you would make moon water. You just leave water in, I like to use a clear glass vessel out in the sunlight. Um, and then you could use that. If something won't be harmed by water but would be harmed by sunlight, you can use um, sun water, solar water to cleanse it instead. Um, you can take vitamin D, uh, internally as like a supplement. Um, that's definitely one way to get more solo in your body. <laughs> um, you can also, I talk about this in my, in my book a little bit about quote unquote phototoxic oils. So a phototoxic oil, an essential oil, if you, if you aren't familiar with this, something that is phototoxic, quote unquote, is something that, uh, magnifies the, way that your skin absorbs sunlight. So what this means is that a lot of people, um, if they put a phototoxic oil on their skin and then they go into the sunlight and the skin that has the oil on it goes into the sunlight, they can get really bad burns on their skin, like just on the part that had that oil on it. Um, And maybe you get like a light tan somewhere else, but then you get like a really bad burn where the oil was. Um, And this is, you know, different. I've known a lot of people who have, you know, put phototoxic oils on them and gone outside and been fine. But I've also heard a decent number of horror stories of people, you know, putting bergamot, getting some bergamot on their hands and then getting really bad burns or, you know, putting a lot of maybe they put lemon in their hair to lighten their hair and they went out in the sun to lighten their hair with lemon and got like some burns around their hairline or something like that. Um, So, but what I'm getting at here is that what's happening is that it's not the oils are burning you. It's that the oils are magnifying the way that your skin absorbs the sunlight. So on a sunny day, this can be, if you're spending a lot of time outside on a sunny day and you're putting it on a very, um, a part of your skin that's going to be very exposed to the sun, this can be a, a kind of a dangerous thing, kind of a bad thing. But if you're, if it's a time of year when you don't get anywhere near to enough sun and you need to bring more light into your body, look up benefits of bergamot essential oil, okay? emotional benefits of bergamot essential oil look up emotional bergamot benefits of saint john's wort Uh, it's not an essential oil but you can make an oil infusion out of saint john's wort Um, and saint john's wort is also considered phototoxic so look up emotional benefits of those plants and see what you find and think about things like um, seasonal affective disorder which is a, a, a type of depression or or yeah, I think where like, I think I'm explaining this right. You know, when you don't get enough sunlight, you don't get enough vitamin D, you don't get enough sunlight and you get depressed. And it's really common in, um, in the far north where people get really limited amounts of sunlight in the winter um, to get quite depressive, depression, depressed, depressed. <laughs> um, and I'm not even in the far north. I'm in Texas, but we still get winter. We still lose light. And I've been known to have seasonal depression in the winter. And um, that's all I'll say about that. I think I I, I literally can't go farther without getting in trouble. So anyhow, some phototoxic oils. (laughs) I hate the word phototoxic because it's just they cause photosensitivity. They cause heightened photosensitivity. They're not toxic. They just cause heightened photosensitivity. They help your skin soak up sunlight better. And when you put them on any part of your skin um, or imbibe them or what, or inhale them or whatever, like it's going to be spread throughout your whole body. So it's obviously it's going to be more concentrated. Like if you put lemon on your wrists, it's going to be more concentrated on your wrists. And probably unless it's really diluted, keep your wrist out of the sun. But no matter where you put it on your body, it's going to get um, distributed throughout your body in some amount, um, throughout your, literally your entire body. And, and, um, it's my understanding that that may help you soak up more sun throughout your body. And again, this can be, this is something that you don't want to use and you want to use this in moderation. Um, but this is something that you can use. So, Um, most citrus oils that are cold pressed are phototoxic. Um, Sweet orange is not, but bitter orange, um, bergamot, lime, lemon are um, all quote unquote phototoxic. Um, Other phototoxic oils include angelica and cumin. And I know there's a couple others, so you can look that up. And then, like I said, St. John's wort is not an essential oil, but you can make an oil infusion out of it. And maybe I'll talk about that on another episode. I have a YouTube video about it, though, actually. Yeah, I will link the um, YouTube video about botanical herbal oil, herbal infused oils um, in the show notes to this episode. So you can go look that up if you want. (sighs) Oh, yeah, Um, you can take a sunlight bath. Hmm. I wrote down sunlight bath. I'm not entirely sure what I meant by that. I suppose I could mean bathing in sunlight. I suppose I could have meant adding sun water, solar water to your bathtub. Um, You could also add St. John's wort or St. John's wort infused oil or um, actual like lemon slices or chamomile flowers. Um, You could add any of those things to your bathtub to kind of bring solar energy calendula you could you know to bring solar energy into your bath magical bath we'll have an episode about magical bathing at some point too oh so many episodes so little time um yeah i wrote solar herbs flowers and oils so i don't know if that was supposed to be like specifically for the bath but either way you can work with solar herbs flowers and oils um to uh call upon the power of solo whether it's in a bath or not. Um, I actually also have on my website, I still have a few of them. I sold them around the summer solstice as a pre-order and they actually still have yet to be shipped out because it's for the darker months. Um, It wasn't for the summer months. It was made on the summer solstice, um, but it's to be used in autumn and winter. So those will be shipped out um, very soon but I made a couple um, botanical sunlight like self-care kits. I forget what I called them, um, but I'll link those below too. And they have um, like a roller with some solar botanicals and oils, um, some bath salts with some solar botanicals and oils, um, and a couple other good, yummy solar things. So if you still want... Uh, to order those. I'll I'll probably have a few of those still in my shop and I will link that in the show notes as well. Okay. And then, yeah, if you go back and listen to episode three, I talk about the whole sword of sunlight and solo hands thing. So I guess I didn't say this. So when I was talking about Ella's on my hands and Thurasaw's on my fists, um, so you can write those on there and visualize those here on the material plane, you can visualize that and call on that spiritual energy here on the material plane. But you can also, if you're doing work in the spirit realm, in the spirit world, like if you're traveling to another world realm layer of reality, um, say through a shamanic journey or something similar, um, things are a lot easier (laughs) to, like magic is a lot easier to do over there it's it works differently over there and that's why i think that practice is so cool is it's like it's so much easier to visualize when your entire world is visualized if that makes sense having to visualize something over here in this world can be really hard um when you're in a trance and you're in a world where the whole thing is visualized having to add like one visualized thing to it and believe in it is so much easier so when i was um you can go back and listen to, I talked about like fighting demons and I used this, um, sword made of sunlight, like empowered with the energy of the solo rune. Um, and that was highly effective. And I think I also remember I had visualized on my hands, like a glowing solo rune on the back of my hands, like the same place I would have had Thurisaz before. Um, And so this is a new practice for me, actually, is when I want to work with the power of a rune in my other world travels, I will just visualize that rune glowing on the backs of my hands. And it's like I can feel then the ability to wield the power of that rune with my hands when my hands are charged up with that rune, if that makes sense. So I have used like the visualization of Thurisaz on the backs of my hands to destroy things that needed destroying in, in journeys. And then I've used Sobolo on the backs of my hands to vanquish powers of darkness with sunlight in shamanic journeys. And um, that's, I think those are the only two that I've actually used in shamanic journeys in that way so far, but Having used this technique with those two runes so far, I can also say I, I feel pretty confident that I'm going to be using that in the future with other runes. And I'm really excited to see how that goes. Um, and then the other thing you can do to invoke Solo uh, that I wrote down is you can wear white or yellow or gold or solar motifs. So like sun jewelry or anything with a picture of the sun on it um, or anything that's yellow or gold or glowing. <laughs> or white, you know, reflects a lot of light. Um, yeah. Okay. So that's like a lot of ways to invoke solo. And I'm sure this is just a brainstorm. You know, you can get creative and go far beyond that. So with that, that's the end of rune number four. And we are ready to move on to rune number five. Count them. One, two, three, four. Chamsa. <laughs> sorry.
1: Okay. It's time for a Plant Magic Minute. And just
0: as a public service announcement, all future Plant Magic Minutes will be totally improvised until further notice. So thank you for your cooperation. For today's Plain Magic Minute, my husband told me that I should tell y'all about Digize because I've been telling him about Digize and I got him to use Digize and we're both feeling great over here because we have Digize. What is Digize? Digize is an essential oil blend that never leaves my purse. It's formulated to help support your body's natural digestive capabilities and I feel like it's pretty darn good at that, so there. I'll generally keep this around as a roller and roll it on in circles around my belly button. Uh, sometimes if I need something a little stronger, I will just pour a drop of Dai Dai's oil blend into my belly button and let it do its thing. Works like a charm. Anyhow, if you need it, you know where to find me. Speaking of plant magic, this podcast is sponsored by Oil Coven. Oil Coven is an online circle of badass witches from around the world who are brought together by our mutual commitment to leveling up with plant magic. We work with plant magic in the form of Young Living Essential Oils to level up our wellness, our manifestations, our relationships, abundance, and more. When you join Oil Coven, not only do you get a 24% discount on all Young Living products, you'll also be invited to exclusive Facebook groups, events, and more. We have several online events each month, including Coven-exclusive moon circles and potions club meetings, and sometimes we throw tarot tea parties. We also hold classes on things like crystals, runes, affirmations, and how to use them in tandem with plant magic. It's so much fun. Joining Oil Coven is as simple as saying yes to plant magic. There's no starter kit required, and you never have to sell unless you want to. Join Oil Coven to begin leveling up with plant magic today. To learn more and see our schedule of upcoming events, visit Vervainandtheroses.com slash oilcoven. Okay, so. Othala. 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 Who knows? Is the rune of that which is inherited. So, <laughs> Stay with me. Bear with me for a minute here. Um there's, you know, there's what we know about the rune, and then there's what we think about the rune. And um that which is inherited is a pretty clear definition or like meaning or like meaning of the rune. Because if you look at the word odal also, like an odal estate, let me actually like look that up. What exactly is the definition of odal? odal um, a Germanic word which relates to property heritability or nobility oh it's also oh god uh, I guess that's also it's also another name of this rune and it's the one that the Wikipedia article is under so the Wikipedia article for Othala is actually under odal rune <sighs> It's reconstructed proto-Germanic name is Othalan, heritage, inheritance, inherited, estate. Okay. So, yeah, and then it mentions also that the Odal rune with serifs, with the little feet, is associated with Nazism and is banned in Germany under laws restricting Nazi symbolism and other similar organizations, which it makes me so mad. It's like, I really fucking wish that these shitty ass people had not (laughs) appropriated perfectly good magical symbols, but they did. So, and that's, it's actually, um, I guess on a troll cross, the curls go the other way from the way that the feet go in the seraph version of Othala. So of course it should be pretty obvious why the Nazis like this rune, because they're all about heritage, right? And about white heritage being superior, and obviously, fuck that. But um, regardless of what color you or your parents or your grandparents or whatever are and where you're from, we can all tap into the energy of Othala, of our ancestors. So I talked about ancestral protection with Ella's earlier. Um, Othala is actually much more directly tied to ancestral protection. Um, and you can use Othala to connect with your ancestors and your ancestral strength and to call upon the protection of your ancestors. Um, this is less um, I think this is a little bit less attested historically. Like that's pretty much what what I've told you about it being inherited stuff and related to ancestors and ancestry. That's pretty much like what we know about Othala. Now, for some stuff that I think about Othala, and I think some other people think too, yes, definitely some other people think too, because it's often been related to the concepts of Inengard and Utengard. These are actually, as I understand, quite modern concepts. Um, I believe that, oh, I wrote about it in my fucking book, and I don't have my book up here, Again, this is another case of I wrote it down so I wouldn't have to remember it and I'll probably remember it. So if it's in and guard, it's in the it's in the in world, it's in the inner circle, it's within the boundary and it's within both the physical boundary and it's within the boundary of like order versus as opposed to chaos or society as opposed to not society, you know, the wild or um, law as opposed to outlaw. actually uh, probably like law and outlaw is probably m- more like more similar to Inengard and Udengard. Um but it's basically like things that are um maybe I'll actually I'll actually read you a little bit of this from ooh, you know where I can go. I just remembered, that my books are on the are on Kindle Unlimited. So <laughs> this has been great. I just got Kindle Unlimited because the Hearth Witch on YouTube was talking about how you can get like a fuck ton of witchcraft books on Kindle Unlimited. And Kindle Unlimited is like seven or eight bucks a month. And um obviously like any give any one of these books is like at least that. So right now, the paperback of my Modern Runes book is eleven sixty five on Amazon Prime. Um, it's four ninety nine to buy the ebook, or you can read it for free with Kindle Unlimited. Yeah. So shout out to the Hearth Witch for recommending Kindle Unlimited. Thank you. So Othala, I'm actually gonna read you what I wrote about Othala. This is gonna be a little sample of my book. I've done the work once. Why do it again? Othala, Othon, Ethel, Oth. O is in home. O is the sound that it makes. Translation is heritage or estate. And then for keywords, I wrote inheritance, family, ancestry, inner circle, enclosure, intimacy, estate, home, homeland, heritage, society, and culture. So it's also, by the way, in addition to protection of your ancestors, it's also like the protection of your society. Like I don't know if you realize this, but like living in society affords you a lot of protection like living in a house is a lot safer than living under a tree you know this i know this that's othala that's the protective aspect of othala so modern meetings as you arrive at the final rune of the futhark with the sun of a new day coming over the hill because we just came from dagas you have returned home at last othala is home family the estate and all that you receive from your ancestors Othala is that which is inherited and cannot be transferred, such as physical characteristics, genetic predispositions, genetic memory, family titles, culture, and even blessings, curses, special talents, and behavioral patterns that are passed down through generations. Othala is also the rune of the estate and the home or homeland. The shape of the rune creates an enclosure, which is one of its meanings. Othala is the boundary that separates the familiar from the unfamiliar. Among modern heathens, the words Inengardh and Utengardh are used to distinguish between the two, although this usage can be traced back only to the late 20th century. Garth refers to an enclosure, such as a fence or a wall. That which is Inengardh is indoors or within the enclosure, and that which is Utengardh is outdoors or beyond the enclosure. The Inengardh is safe, familiar, and orderly. Everything the light touches is our kingdom. (laughs) The Utengardh is unfamiliar and often dangerous. What about that shadowy place way out there? Othala asks for us to examine our personal Inangarth and Utangarth and reminds us that all the water in the world cannot sink a boat, it cannot penetrate. Othala can also refer to family in general or to specific family members, especially direct ancestors or descendants. So this is for, more for divination, but you can use this for protection magic as well. It can also refer to the home, sacred space, and your personal bubble, society, or social group. It may appear as a reminder to give thanks for the body and blood you have inherited. In a reading, Othala may appear to remind you of what your parents and more distant ancestors have handed down, including mannerisms, family wisdom, intergenerational trauma, and even skills or recipes. Othala can also indicate something coming full circle, back to the beginning, returning to home base. It's like the world card. Um, uh, The return home can be seen to take place on the same level of the spiral, or at the same position on a new level of the spiral. In other words, you can go home to the place you were born and raised, or you can go home to heaven. Or I would also, this is me commentating from here, I would also say you can come home to any version of home that you create along the way to heaven. Um, You know, going home to the place where you were born and raised is the place you started on the spiral. But like, coming home for me right now is not going back to new york where i was born or going back to santa monica where i was a kid or going back to south pasadena where i was raised like and it's not even going back to um you know it's it's coming home can be coming home to my home in austin but it can also be like when i find people that I feel really at home with, it feels like coming home. When I go to my friend's house that I haven't been to for a long time and I'm like settling back into old energy that feels really comfortable and familiar and loving, like that feels like coming home. So there's many homes between our birth home and heaven. Um, And I should have said that in the book, but I didn't. Either way, homecoming is a joyous thing. Um, and then I talk about what it means, Mercs Dave, and that's, uh, we don't have to talk about that right now. Okay, so I did say here practical magic. Use Othala to mark the boundaries of your home, property, safe spaces, and sacred enclosures to magically reinforce and secure them. This rune is especially well suited to hanging over doors that connect to the inside and outside. Inscribe, wear, or carry Othala on your person to connect more deeply and come to terms with your family, ancestry, and cultural heritage. Some people, (laughs) I touched on this earlier, some people think taking pride in one's heritage means believing that others are inferior, but Othala is not about racial purity. It's about the generations that have conspired to bring each of us here today and continue to protect us today. And then there's a little spell for a house blessing that you can do with the Othala rune. So that's cool. That's something that you can use. All right, back to my notes for this podcast so that we can finish eventually someday. Um, yeah, so you can use it for house protection magic. You can use it on doors, on gates and fences. Um, I would go so far as to say that you can also use it to, to protect any possessions that you own. Like if you have like a book of shadows that you want to keep safe, you could use Othala as a, you know, to, to, you could use Othala as a protection charm for that. Or for, if you have like a little portable altar that you want to keep safe, you could use Othala to protect that, um, all sorts of things. Um, You can also, I would also say, if you are into feng shui, if that's something that you're exploring, there's a section of the bagua. So, when you, like, part of feng shui is is laying out, um, separating your home or main rooms in your home into sections, according to what's called the bagua map. And uh, it, it creates, like, nine sectors in each space. Either If it's a room that you use a lot, it can be within the room. Otherwise, it's within the home. And each of these sections corresponds to a different part of a different aspect of your life and like rearranging things in that section can kind of rearrange that aspect of your life or that's the belief. And I've definitely seen that reflected. That's actually maybe something that I'll maybe I'll get somebody because I have like very limited experience in this, but I have seen it work. So I would really like to get somebody who's like an expert in feng shui to come on and talk with me about that. Um, That would be cool. That's a stretch goal. Um, but so one of the sections of the Bagua is for like family. And I would say that in the family section, which I think is like the center left section, um, as you enter a room or a building, um, would be a really good place to hang up Othala inside the home or or put anything related to Othala. Um, which makes sense because it's related to family. So Othala is really similar to a symbol known as a troll cross. And this, I actually copy-pasted this right off the Wikipedia, because Wikipedia says, well, I'm not going to summarize it, I'm just going to read you this. From Wikipedia, Troll cross In Sweden, as well as Norway, a trollcross, or trollcross, is a bent piece of iron worn as an amulet to ward off malevolent magic, allegedly stemming from medieval Sweden. According to those claiming its authenticity, it represented the Norse symbol of protection. Thus, if a Norseman wore this symbol, they believed that chances of falling into danger would decrease. However, Although commonly thought of as a part of Swedish folklore, it was first created as an item of jewelry by the smith Kari Erlins from Western Dalarna sometime in the late 1990s. It was claimed to have been a copy of a protective rune found at her grandparents' farm, but this has not been verified. While it does bear some resemblance to the Othala rune, the symbol for estate, heritage, or inheritance in the Elder Futhark, it's more likely Erlands mistook a, bur- a boomerka for a protective symbol. A uh, boomerka is a house mark. So that thus ends the Wikipedia copy-paste and thus begins my commentary. So note that if you do some research on this yourself, you can find this out. A a boom marker or a bow marker or a house mark, the point of a house mark is to mark ownership of a house, of objects, of cattle, of buildings, as belonging to a certain family or property owner. In other words, (laughs) the very concept of a house mark is tied closely very closely to both protection and othala and in precisely the same way that othala and protection are tied to each other so even if as wikipedia says the troll Cross, <laughs> wikipedia our favorite source actually pretty good though honestly like it's really i, I we're not going to have this debate here so but my point is even if the troll cross is based on a house mark of a specific family it being a housemark with such similarity to Othala seems possibly to make it even more appropriate. I'm not really sure what it could have to do with keeping trolls at bay, but I mean, if trolls are just like your <laughs> word or your symbol or your analogy for like bad shit, <laughs> bad guys, um, you know, uh, we have trolls on the internet these days. Um, they are not extinct. Yeah, anyhow, it it seems appropriate. So um the troll cross, Othala, you can I would say you could probably use these pretty interchangeably. You know, the troll cross is supposed to be for protection. And if it was in fact a house mark, a house mark is for exactly the same kind of protection that Othala is good for. And I don't know. I'm going to let you put those pieces together yourself and figure out what to do with that. But that's a bunch of puzzle pieces. Good luck. Have fun. Okay. So suggestions for working with Othala other than like hanging it in your house or inscribing it on your doors or whatever. Um, uh, or wearing a troll cross. Uh, you know, you can wear, you don't have to wear Othala jewelry. And actually, uh, I would be careful <laughs> about <laughs> wearing Othala jewelry Unless you are a Nazi, well, (laughs) if you are a Nazi, (laughs) people may correctly interpret the meaning of you wearing Othala if you're not a Nazi, (laughs) which um, uh, this podcast is not for Nazis, okay? Um, If you're not a Nazi, (laughs) wearing Othala visibly can be misinterpreted um, because it is one that has been taken up so fervently by... Uh, people who do believe in dumb things like racial purity um and so if you're wearing othala visibly you could be mistaken for somebody who has such beliefs um so i would either be prepared if you're if you are going to choose to do that i would either be prepared to be misjudged um I would prepare to be misjudged and prepare to do some explaining with some people, Um, but I would be especially prepared to be misjudged by a lot of people, unless that's the message that you're trying to send, in which case, fuck you. Um, Yeah. Uh, Okay. So what I'm getting at here is that if you don't want to wear Othala visibly, you can invoke the energy and the protection of Othala by wearing family heirlooms heirloom jewelry, um, clothes or accessories that have been handed down from your parents or grandparents, etc. You know, these things carry people who aren't into magic know this. They wear these family heirlooms and they feel connected to their ancestors. They feel connected to people who came before them in their family and they feel strengthened by it. And they may not describe it as magic, but It kind of is that it is the magic of Othala, whether they recognize it or call upon it in that way, intentionally, consciously or not. That's the energy that that's the kind of protection and strength that Othala lends. So, um, you can also connect with your ancestors and find one or more, however far back, um, who are willing to be spirit guides for you or to assist or support you, however they can. I think I talked about this a little bit back with Elas. Um, it is probably more relevant with Othala, but whatever. Ancestors, protection, good stuff. Um, you can also connect with house spirits and land whites and like local spirits attached to your home and the land that you live on. Um, you know that the spirits may not be with you for your whole life but they are immovable in the sense that they are attached to your the land and in and the home that you're on and um you share a home with these spirits you know so as long as you are living on that home and land it may be beneficial for you to cultivate positive um positive relationships with your house spirits and land whites land spirits local local nature spirits local land spirits etc etc etc. Oh guess what guys we've reached the end of my notes We've actually done it. we made it to the end of my notes on the five runes for protection so now, I want to share some resources with you for further reading. Obviously, I'm going to recommend my book. As I just mentioned, currently the ebook is like five bucks and Modern Runes is the name of my book. Modern Runes. Discover the Magic of Casting and Divination for Everyday Life, I believe is what it's called. I'm not reading it right now, so I hope I got that subtitle right. I didn't come up with the subtitle, just so you know. Um, I didn't come up with the title, just so you know. I just wrote the book, um, but I do think it's got some good stuff in it. Uh, I think it's about twelve bucks for the paperback. It's about five bucks for the ebook, and then it's like eight bucks a month to get uh, Kindle whatever what's it called unlimited, um, and you can get both my books that way. Actually, my other book is Essential Oil Magic, which I think actually I did tell you about a couple things um, that are in that book that you may want to use. There's a whole chapter. If you're interested in protection magic beyond just runes, there's a whole chapter of protection magic using essential oils. So and it's got uh 10 like full page entry spell or 10 like more in-depth spells, and then it's got at least five like little spell suggestion type things, um, all just about protection. So that's something that you might want to consider looking into. That's where like the spirit going away party is discussed and laid out. And I think I do bring runes into that book just a little bit. So that's something you can do. I do recommend that book. Um, Also, if you want like a signed copy, I can't list it on my website because I'm not a registered bookseller. But if you want a signed copy, um, just I do have a couple copies on hand. So just message me on Instagram and tell me that you want a signed copy and we'll work something out and I can sell you one from my personal collection. It's going to be a little more because I have to charge you shipping because I'm not Amazon Prime. But other than that, basically the same. So um, that's something that we can arrange. um And I'll write you a little note in runes too <laughs> for you to uh, transliterate and... Uh, figure out for yourself so that could be fun um another thing i do have so on my website not welcome to magic school.com on com. if you go to com slash runes um or if you go to my website and you click resources and then you click runes um that will take you to a page with a couple different rune resources so that'll actually take you to the page that has the affiliate link for my book on amazon which would be cool if you choose to buy it on amazon it would be cool for you to use that affiliate link um and then there's also it's really like one two-sided handout but it's it's kind of two separate handouts and there's a color version and a black and white version um, and these are handouts that I created for my runes and oils workshop. So I've actually led a workshop on using runes and essential oils together, and that's what I created these handouts for. But the first one um, is called Futhark for Magic or Futhark for Magic Guide, and that was that one's good for any kind of rune magic. So this is if you if you don't if you can't you know if you don't if you choose not to. Purchase the book at this time, but you want like a quick guide for using runes in magic. This handout gives you some kind of keywords basically for what each rune might be good for magically. So it really does not go into depth on the meaning or the secrets of the runes. Um, and I wouldn't recommend using this specific handout for a guide for divination. Um. It's, it's designed to help you uh, put together active magic, um, not to interpret runes in a reading. So if you're very clever, you might be able to figure it out. But if you want to learn the runes for divination or if you want to get serious about doing runes for magic, I would recommend getting my actual book and probably a couple other books, too, that I'll also recommend in a second here. But if you just want to do some quick rune magic and you want a quick guide, this Futhark for magic guide is pretty cool for that. Um, and that's a really good one to use. Like if you want to start like rolling on, if you have like an oil roller and you want to start rolling on oil onto your skin in the shapes of certain runes and you want to know like what shapes to use or you want to like put, you know, do something, use your runes and oils together in really simple ways. Um this handout is really good for helping you figure out which runes to use. And then the runes and oils handout just contains some suggestions for how practically to use runes and oils together. So um, things like rolling on the oils in different shapes or like charging a bottle of oil with runes or charging runes with oils. Um, all of those things are on this handout and are explained in a little more detail with some specific examples and suggestions. So you can get those for absolutely free on my website. You don't even have to subscribe to my newsletter or anything for that. Those are right there. You can download them. Um, You can print them out. You can do whatever you want with them. I don't care. So there's that. Okay, what else did I write down for resources? So if you want other books um, and I'll probably put actually I'll add to that page um, a book list is what i'll do um for learning more about runes but right off the top of my head i would say if you get just one other book in addition to my book i would say get diana paxson's taking up the runes um and then if you're gonna get more uh there's a bunch that i would recommend if you're gonna get more um i First learned on Edred Thorson's Futhark, a handbook of rune magic, which is quite good. But he also has much more recently come out with, I think it's called a big book of rune, the big book of rune magic or something like that. It was super recent. It was like 2019 or 2020, um, and I want to say 2019, um, and that one it just goes into so much depth on so many like it really is the big book of Reen magic and it's of course it's all from thorson's perspective um the cool thing about the diana Paxson book is that she's kind of she's read everything and she cites everything and she was given a much higher word count than i was and um so she can if you if you really want to go deep um she gives a lot of good info and because she has the space and everything to cite every single source for every single idea that she that she shares Um, it's also a really good guide for finding, like if there's one particular idea that you really resonate with and you want to learn more about that, um, you'll know who to read, you know? So that's really cool. Um, And then Freya Aswin is a classic. And I I have to share with you also that like we've had so many conversations about political correctness already in this um, episode. But I just want to share with you that you will find a lot of the time that it's actually, it's actually very hard to navigate researching Norse paganism and runes and Norse magic and stuff. um, And to, um, because a lot of the sources on these things are tainted with racism. And that sucks. (laughs) And that's not an integral part of the religion or the system. It's not a part of Norse paganism. It's not a part of rune magic. It's not a part of Northern European magic. It's not. But in the in recent centuries, it has become intertwined very closely with these fucked up ideas. And a lot of people who have these fucked up ideas have latched on to these magical systems and, um, a a version of this religion that they have, or this, this, this spiritual, I I don't know if it's, I don't know there's not like a religion that's that Norse paganism is like, it's so many different things, but you know, they've launched latched onto these gods and these types of magic um, or a a, a version of these gods and a version of this religion and a version of these types of magic that aligns with their own twisted agenda. And a lot of those people are the people who are putting out um, some, Of the educational resources. And so it's very difficult to tell, also, sometimes whether a source was created or written by somebody who is coming at this from a place of you know what, what it's it's not always easy to tell what the agenda of somebody who's sharing resources on these topics is and obviously you can read critically and you can determine for yourself whether something feels laced with information that feels like it has you know it feels tainted by these ideas um but what i'm what i'm getting at here actually is that you may find that a certain author turns out to be problematic in one way or another you know turns out to have been a racist turns out to have been a satanist turns out to have been any number of things that you may not or may i don't know who you are um resonate with i mean i'm not a satanist i don't really um I mean, I'm sitting here saying fuck racists. I'm not necessarily sitting here saying fuck Satanists. Um, but what I'm what I'm saying is that it may be the case that something was written by somebody whose totality as a person you don't agree with or resonate with. That doesn't make everything that they ever wrote useless and invalid. And I've I've actually learned a lot from studying things that were written by people that I know for a fact I don't agree with. Um, and I, I honestly think that, like, I would rather know all the things that I can know and put them to good use rather than saying, well, I don't want that information because it comes from somebody that I don't like. I have no interest in rejecting good information because it comes from a source that I don't like. I'm interested in the truth. I've said this before I'm interested in the truth. I'm interested in what works. I'm not interested in fitting the truth or fitting what works into any particular box. So, I would encourage you to read sources critically, to read critically when you're reading, when you're studying about runes. Um, But I would not encourage you to bypass a book just because you hear that the author is problematic. Um, Because I think you need to be able to trust yourself to know when something that an author is saying is actually relevant to the topic and when something that an author is saying is based in judgment and a personal agenda. And when I have read things by problematic authors, it's been very clear what information is kind of like put in to serve their agenda versus what information is helpful regardless. So that's something that I would say. Um, And I will go straight ahead and say that some of the books that you will find on my recommended list. you may do research and find that some of those authors are problematic for you may find that all of those authors are problematic for one reason or another i'm problematic probably i'm probably problematic for uh, uh, who knows how many yeah i'm yeah look at me i'm probably problematic but i'm i'm out here living my best life. I'm trying to operate from a place of authenticity, from a place of love, from a place of curiosity here. And um, if you're about that, you can fuck with me. And if you're not about that, fuck you. And forgive me for saying so. This seems like a good time. Um, I'm going to link some some websites, and some other stuff down below. Another one of my resources is um, uh, the Rune Keyboard. I have a Rune Keyboard for iOS. And there's also like a, a a website that I go to to get Rune Unicode characters for when I'm on desktop. I find it really helpful to be able to actually type runes into my phone, either when I'm texting my one friend that actually also reads and writes runes, which is really cool. Um, or if I'm like, making notes on runes or a rune reading or even trying to do ma- rune. like You can do rune magic. You've, you've done, I don't know if you've done it, but like maybe you've heard of people doing magic on their phone, creating little, sorry, that was a pen click. Um, <laughs> I'm starting to get fidgety. Creating little emoji spells. So you can get a rune keyboard and use runes in your emoji spells. And maybe we can talk about emoji spells on another episode. Um, I'll link some other websites down below. Also, um, Raven Caldera has a page on runes. Um, Lara Valita Vesta has a course on the runic feminine that's pretty cool. Um, there's a couple other good rune pages on the interwebs that I can link you to. Um, And then let's see. Oh, yeah. The Runes and Oils handouts. I actually like that. Oh, here's a thing that just came out that I think is really cool. And I'm considering buying more copies. I just bought one copy. So Bicycle, like the manufacturer of playing cards, just came out with a set of Rune playing cards. Yeah. Super cool. Just as cool as it sounds. So the way it is, is there's four suits, right? And each suit has an ace and then a two through ten and then a Jack, Queen, King, right? And so that's 13 cards per suit, Ace through 10, and then Jack, Queen, King. So there's 24 runes in the Elder Futhark. And what they've done is they've made the aces not runes. And then every other card is a rune. So 12 cards per suit is a rune. And 12 plus 12 is 24. So that's the whole Futhark. So they have the whole Futhark in black, and then they have the whole Futhark in red. and Um, I love it. It's also got, like, gold ink, not, like, foil gold, but, like, metallic gold ink. It's really cool looking, and I just think it's super, super cool, so I'll probably put an Amazon affiliate link for those in the, uh, show notes as well. Rune cards, making a note to myself here. Um, yeah, so that's really, really cool. This also seems like a really good time to read you my one review that I have on Apple Podcasts right now um, because I like it and it talks about how I don't have a filter and I feel like that's really appropriate um, to share right now (laughs) because I've had no filter at all on this entire episode and I'm feeling kind of insecure about it. And you, know, again, like waffling with that insecurity around like saying the right thing versus speaking from authenticity and love and curiosity. Um, and I just want to, um, because I'm in this place of insecurity around that, I'm finding myself turning to my memory of this one, this one iTunes review or Apple podcasts review that I have been left on this podcast so far that was very kind, um, and very sweet, and makes me happy and boosts my confidence. So hopefully I can find this here ratings and reviews. Yes, okay. <laughs> so here it is. It's five stars. The title of the review is "Love, Love, Love," and <laughs> uh, by the way, it's it's left by. D's nuts 888 and i really hope that the 888 is not a reference to anything nazi because if they are they are about to take back everything that they just said about really liking my podcast um but this is what they said (laughs) i absolutely love vervain i love the authenticity of this podcast it feels like i'm just having a chat with a friend and i can feel the passion about the topic Zero filters are the best filters to be a disruptor who makes changes happen. So thanks so much, D's nuts eight eight eight. I really want to know who you are, but I also kind of just love knowing that. Like I love not knowing. <laughs> so um, either way, um. Also, we have four ratings, only one review, but we have four ratings, and they're all five stars. So if you um feel like leaving a review or a rating or both. On Apple Podcasts, that would be really cool. Um, this one review is bringing me so much joy, so I'm certain that if you left a second review, that would bring me just as much joy, if not more. Uh, we also have one review that was left on Audible that maybe I'll share on another episode because I think we're <laughs> we're we're running out of time. By which I mean, this is probably going to have been two episodes. What's our runtime here on this one right now on this recording? Yeah. This is my second recording and my first recording was I think like two hours and this one we're at an hour and a half. So this is definitely going to be two episodes. And um, I didn't actually come up with homework, but I just came up with homework right now in this moment. So for your homework this time, of course, I am going to ask you to subscribe rate and review thank you thank you so much please and thank you thank you so much okay and um the other thing that i'm gonna ask you to do is pick any one thing from either this episode or the previous episode um because i am definitely gonna split this into two um pick any one thing from any of these five runes for protection and put it into action in your life, whether it's wearing a skirt with mirrors on it or putting an Othala over your front door or meditating on Elaz or, or like, meditating on Othala to connect with your ancestors or, like, in using Elaz to put your energetic protection roller on or any of the like i don't i don't care what it is i gave you so many ideas so you can either do one of the things that i suggested or you can use one of these runes in another way um that feels right for you and do it and you know put it into action and uh tell me how it goes yeah. Tell me how it goes. I really want to hear how it goes. This is a really important part of the homework because I can't go over the homework in the next episode if you don't tell me how your experience doing the homework goes. Um, so if that happens, I guess we'll just have to like if, if, if I don't hear back from people about how doing the homework goes, um, I guess I'll just have to cut the homework review section. And that's fine. That's fine. We can always find other things to do. So yeah, pick any one thing to do with any of these five runes and do it, put it into practice in your life, and tell me how it goes. You can tell me how it goes by contacting me through the contact form on my website at vervainandroses.com. There's also a contact page on welcometomagicschool.com that gives you all the options for contacting me. Um, you can email me at vervainhellsdaughter at gmail.com, or you can message me on Instagram, If it's about the homework, please message me. If it's about this podcast at all, please message me at Welcome to Magic School on Instagram. Um, And if it's about like Oil Coven or scheduling a reading or anything, feel free or you just want to chat, feel free to message me at Fervena and the Roses. Um, Yeah. But if you you have like a homework question, uh, please put that on Welcome to Magic School just so I can keep all of the podcast related stuff in one place. So with that, I really hope that you learned something new today. And if you did, I would love, love, love it if you would take a moment to share what you learned on Instagram and tag at Welcome to Magic School so that someone else can benefit from your learning too. If you haven't yet, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review Welcome to Magic School on Apple Podcasts. You can stay up to date and be a part of helping other witches expand their magical knowledge. You can also review us on Podchaser and Stitcher and Audible. And those are the places that you can actually leave a review um yeah so thank you so so much for listening have an absolutely magical day and i will see you next week on welcome to magic school where you'll learn how to level up every aspect of your life and make your everyday magical one step at a time with magic that works